The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right, Bear Down Bears fans. It's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and it feels good sitting behind this microphone again. Haven't had a lot of podcasts here over the last couple of months. Look, this pandemic, bizarre, bizarre times we're living in. I mean, we are living in history right now. We are living in a year that is going to be talked about for the next 30, 40, 50 years. There's going to be documentaries. There's going to be movies. This is the time we're living in. We're living in such a bizarre time a stressful time for a lot of people. And, you know, look, sports have been on the back burner during these last four months, and they needed to be. It wasn't safe for the players and athletes, and it wasn't the right time to be to be even trying to have sports. But we're attempting to come back here. We got baseball here, NBA and NHL right around the corner, and the NFL hoping to fire up here regular season in about six weeks. I am excited for sports to return, and I am excited that the NFL is, is going to give this a go. I have concerns. I have doubts. I wonder what's going to happen if a quarterback room catches the virus and two, three, all your quarterbacks are test positive and you have to sign a quarterback off the street. Well, that's a loss. That's a loss for that football team if their QB room gets it. If your offensive line room gets it and you wipe out, you know, seven, eight offensive linemen who are unavailable to play because they tested positive, and you've got to sign an offensive lineman off the street or bring up guys off your practice squad, emergency squad, whatever it might be. If the Bears, if the NFL expands practice squads this year to keep more players available to teams if they deal with things like this, there's a lot of questions about how this pandemic is going to impact football. But, you know, we're going to have Brad Biggs on, on the podcast, Chicago Tribune. Really looking forward to having the conversation with Brad he's, well, look, he's, he's one of the top dogs, if not the top dog on this, this beat and has been for a long time, breaks a lot of stories, has a lot of insight into Hallis Hall and what goes on there, has, knows, knows a lot of people. So looking forward to that conversation. I'm going to ask him about the pandemic, how it's impacting him and the media, and obviously more how it's going to impact games on the football field. But for, for the next few minutes here, as I, I kind of talk about this training camp preview episode of the podcast, Let's put the pandemic aside for the most part, unless it's relevant. Let's just kind of talk about this Chicago Bears team 
and what they need to do this season. And let's, let's obviously start at the quarterback position. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows exactly where I've been on this quarterback position for the last nine months. I gave Mitch Trubisky all the leash in the world to try and try and make this happen. I, I was supportive of Trubisky as his rookie year said, look, that wasn't an offense that was fair to him. Can't really judge him. Year two with Matt Nagy, you see some strides, you see a little promise. Not as much as you wanted, but you sat there and said, look, this guy's a mobile quarterback, can keep the chains moving because he can get the ball past the line of scrimmage and get that first down with his legs. That's that's a plus. He's, he's He makes those plays. You see him at the end of the games. He's willing to just let it rip. And, and, and make plays when, when the team needs, you saw these things kind of, kind of developing. You said, all right, all right, Matt Nagy's going to kind of bring him along here. We're, we're going to see something. Then Nagy talks about offense 2.0 and everything that he's going to be able to do going into the 2019 season with Mitch Trubisky. We see what happens against the Packers. We see what happens against the Broncos. Even if they, Trubisky did have the one great play to set up the field goal, the offense was inept in both games. We just saw things falling apart on that offense. We saw all of a sudden that Mitch Trubisky did not make the strides that we all hoped he would make going into year three. And by almost midseason, that was it for me. That year three is so critical for a player's development, and you usually just don't see the development beyond that season. And I know Mitch did not have a lot of reps in college, and I know Mitch did not have a good offense as a rookie. So I understand the Mitch Trubisky defenders, I completely understand where you're coming from, that there's not enough of a resume at this point to judge him. But the fact of the matter is, in my opinion, there is. Because for me, this isn't about Mitch needing to hone some footwork or do some little things here, there, and pick up on things. It's the processing speed of the game. And I don't think he can, he can speed up what he's processing at this point. Now, maybe he will over years. Maybe he will on a new team or a third team after having years of being in an NFL locker room. Because I don't think Mitch is, is one of these guys who's going to disappear out of the league in the next year or two. I think Mitch Trubisky is going to have a pretty successful career as a backup quarterback. That's obviously not what you want out of the number three pick. But I do think Trubisky has that level of ability. The issue is, can that processing speed picks up? And if the processing speed picks up for him, he's going to put it together. He could be Alex Smith, who picked it up very late. Rich Gannon, who picked it up very late. He could be one of these guys who, when he's 31, the light clicks on, and he has a five, six-year run of being a solid, successful NFL quarterback. I believe that could happen for Mitch Trubisky. What I don't believe is that Mitch Trubisky can have that happen for him right now. I don't believe the Chicago Bears think Mitch Trubisky can have that happen for him right now. I think the Bears know who he is at this point and know that there will not be enough development from where we were in December to where we need to be in September to say that Mitch Trubisky is going to step forward. I don't think he's going to recognize the defenses and the disguises and coverages. I don't think he's going to recognize that. I don't think at the snap of the football, he's going to process his reads quickly enough on timing routes and see who's open and have that split second decision to say he will be open if I put the football here. He will be open at this point. He's open now. I need to get the ball immediately. Reading that before the snap, seeing where the defense is going to be and where and knowing where his offensive players are going to be. All the things that a quarterback needs to be able to do 
I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to, he hasn't been able to do it, and I don't think he's going to be able to do it in 2020. I think the Bears brought in Nick Foles because they want Nick Foles to be the starting quarterback. I think based on the moves they've made, bringing in a guy like Jimmy Graham, bringing in a guy like Robert Quinn, keeping Danny Trevathan over Nick Kwiatkowski, these are I-want-to-win-now decisions. Bringing in 30-year-olds is how you win now. The Bears are not developing for the future. They are not putting guys out there for 2021, 2022, 2023. They went out to say, we're going to win football games in 2020. And if that's your attitude, then you know where Nick Foles is in an Andy Reid offense right now. You still don't know where Mitch Trubisky is. And I know a lot of Bears fans, and I've seen things say how this pandemic is going to help Trubisky because Nick Foles hasn't been really around the team and Trubisky's working out with the receivers and everything. Look, it doesn't matter how well Mitch, you know, jives with his, his receivers and how much he practices with them if the processing speed doesn't improve. And running routes on, on a field, look, that's great. And I'm glad Trubisky's working with the team. Mitch is a hard worker. He's a great guy. And, and I would expect nothing less, less of him. But I just don't know how much film and how much, unless he's actually on the field and working on things, how much that's going to improve. So for me, I don't look at it as the pandemic hinders Foles because Trubisky knows this team and knows his teammates better at this point, and Foles can't even get to Chicago. To me, this is about Nick Foles already knowing the offense, the Bear Matt Nagy being comfortable with Nick Foles, having a history with Nick Foles, you know, the, the coaches having a history with Nick Foles, and having confidence that while Nick Foles is not going to be the guy that's going to get an MVP, throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns, and suddenly turn this into a dynamic offense, he's going to be able to run the offense the way it's supposed to be run. And if he can't run the offense the way it's supposed to be run, well, then Pace and Nagy back the wrong horse, and Pace and Nagy are probably going to get canned. And then at that point, you you absolutely can question Ryan Pace because he'd whiffed on, on every key quarterback he'd ever, ever gone for. And you can question Matt Nagy because if you have a quarterback who knows Andy Reid offenses and still can't run Matt Nagy's version of it, well, then you got a problem with the offense as a whole. But if Foles comes in, starts week one, and puts together what he can, what he can do, we've seen the Nick Foles magic. If he picks up this offense and runs it the way it's supposed to be run, well, then the Bears offense can be decent. And if the Bears offense can be decent, then hopefully the defense with some of the moves they made on the defensive side of the ball will step up and be more of that 2018 version. But it goes far beyond the defense stepping up and, and the quarterback play. There's still lots of other question marks on this team. We know how important the tight end position is for this team. Jimmy Graham, can they catch lightning in a bottle? You've seen some people that think Graham has a little bit left in the tank and the Bears are going to be able to squeeze a little bit out of it. But a lot of people think that was a bad signing. And did the Bears bid against themselves? I don't know who else was going to be bidding for Jimmy Graham at that price. So the Bears made a bold, bold statement with Jimmy Graham. And I don't know what Jimmy Graham has left in the tank. That's going to be really critical for this offense. Looking more at the tight end position, Cole Komet, the rookie. How much can he put on the football field and produce for this team as a rookie? You don't see a lot of rookie tight ends step up and play really well. They usually take a year, two years, sometimes three years to develop. They come along slowly. So can Cole Komet help this team this year, or will he kind of just be the backup? And will it be more Demetrius Harris 
and Jimmy Graham out there on the two tight end sets and Komet will get his snaps where he can. It'll be interesting to see that because look, we know that tight end position needs to be better. It was putrid last year. It needs to be a lot better this year. Can it be Graham, Komet, and Harris? Can they do what needs to be done for that position group? That's a big question mark. This offensive line regressed last year. There is no other word to use other than regressed. When you talk about how they handled the pass blocking, it was a lot better than, than they got credit for. They were over-criticized as a, a pass blocking unit. In fact, I would say they were above average as a pass blocking unit. Their run blocking was not good. There were a lot of problems with the run blocking. You cannot blame one facet on why the run game failed. You cannot just blame David Montgomery, although he needs to improve. He needs to be more decisive with the football. He needs to, look, a lot of times he tried to make something out of nothing and way too often he was presented with nothing. And I think he was sick and tired of running through the offensive line and picking up a yard. He wanted to try and be a playmaker for this offense and spark this offense. So he needs to be presented with a better option, a better scheme that he can run in. The offensive line needs to ex execute the scheme better. And more importantly, the scheme needs to be better. The scheme they've been running the last couple of years has not worked. Last year it was atrocious. Juan Castillo has a vital role in making this a more balanced offense, an offense that has a viable running game. That's going to be another key for this team this offseason. And the defense. On the defensive side of the ball, look, it comes down to, are you going to get the 2018 defense or the 2019 defense? The Bears offense being decent and the Bears defense being good, which is what they were last year, maybe even very good, but they weren't, they weren't spectacular. If that defense is just going to be good to very good with a below average offense, the Bears are going to be 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7. and seven. If the Bears defense can get back to 2018 and cause turnovers and do everything they need to do, and that's why they brought in Robert Quinn, because they're sitting there going, we're going to rush four, and if you're going to double-team Khalil Mack and you're going to double-team Robert Quinn and you're going to double-team Akeem Hicks, well, then you don't have enough blockers because we still got Eddie Goldman or whoever else is going to be in that package coming at you, and you're not keeping in seven to block the Chicago Bears. No one's keeping more than six to block. So at that point, the Bears can, be, can rush the passer without having to do lots of blitz packages, and they're going to be in great shape. You know Akeem Hicks can't be single blocked. You need to double Akeem Hicks. If you're going to sit there and try and single Eddie Goldman, he's going to push back the pocket. Eddie Goldman sometimes needs a double team on a pass rush. Akeem Hicks needs a double team. Robert Quinn mauls single pass blocking. He needs to be double teamed. So you can't double team everyone. That's the bottom line. That's what the Bears are going for. They're sitting there saying, we have too many pass rushers. We will get to the quarterback on a consistent level. And if that's happening, then we're going to force throws. We're going to have third and longs. We're going to have turnovers and interceptions. And the Bears defense is going to be more of the 2018 version. I'd love to see it because if we have the 2018 defense back out there again, the Chicago Bears are going to be fun to watch and they should win double digit games for sure. I believe that. I really do. Now, We've got plenty to discuss with Brad Biggs, and we're going to have plenty more to discuss throughout training camp as we have more podcasts, but very excited that Brad Biggs is jumping on the podcast today. We will be joined by him next, right after this break. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Bill Zimmerman here. Very excited for our next guest. First time we've had him on the podcast. He is, I would say, the most informed Bears reporter. Actually, I'll say the most informed Bears guest we've had on the podcast, including the players we've had on the podcast. Been on the beat a long time, broken a lot of stories. He is the Chicago Tribune's Brad Biggs. Brad, Bill Zimmerman, how are you today? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing pretty well today. It's opening day for baseball, so we're going to see if uh, MLB can sort of pull this uh, off, and I'm sure uh, football will be watching closely uh, with that starting up here as we speak, really, with the, some of these teams already uh, testing some of their players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and since, since you started there, let's, let's start there and kind of talk about the pandemic and how this is going to impact everything. And you brought up baseball, which is a good comparison because – Baseball is going to have to deal with the travel and all these other things that, I mean, on a smaller scale, the football between the staff and the rosters is much bigger, but the baseball is going to have to be dealing with this. Football is going to have to be dealing with the same kind of things. How do you think the sport of football, I know they've still got negotiations and things going on, but how do you think football is going to be able to handle this pandemic moving forward? I mean, it's just a, it's just a great question. You, you, you don't know. And I, and I think, that we're going to see teams encountering curves in the road uh, and detours and stop signs and flashing lights uh, all the way through. You know, look at the Washington Nationals. They found out, what, this afternoon that Juan Soto tested positive for COVID-19 with the game a couple hours away. He's, what, they're, I don't know, what are they going to have, three in the lineup, four in the lineup? So, exactly. yeah, to me, that's uh, – take the one of the top three or four players off an NFL roster Sunday morning, right? I mean, that, that's, that, that's the equivalent of it, I guess. It's going to be interesting. I, for, if anybody's sitting there and they think they know how it's going to go right now, I, I think they're probably kidding themselves or pulling your leg or maybe both. Hopefully it can be done in a safe manner. I, th- I think that all the sports are talking to the employees and stressing the importance of people doing the right thing at all times when they're at the facility, when they're away from the facility, because if someone, uh, you know, wants to go out to a bar and have fun with some friends because they've been cooped up for six or seven weeks, that could be the thing that that sets some, some bad stuff in motion for them. So it's going to require a great deal of discipline uh, by everyone involved. And, and that's what everyone should be doing these days. I mean, you see that the virus is continuing to really take off in some parts of the country. Yeah. Unfortunately, it, it's not going away anytime real soon. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to figure out how, how to manage it. And, and the one thing that I'm the most curious about is how teams handle their quarterback room. Because like, look, let's take the Chiefs, for example. Chris Jones, Tyreek Hill, if any of them test positive and they have to get sidelined, you know, they, they can still win. Patrick Mahomes gets sidelined and your backup quarterback comes in. They still got a 50-50 shot. But if your quarterback room, you know, if they give it to each other and you have to sign a quarterback off the street, I don't care if you're the Super Bowl champions, you have basically no shot to win. So I'm really curious how these teams move forward, trying to 
have a quarterback room, which obviously is critical to the team, but keep these quarterbacks, you know, almost safe from each other? Bill, that's a great question. I've talked to a couple of coaches uh, around the league in recent weeks, and I think what you're going to see is there's going to be probably, well, we won't see it, but there's going to be a ton of virtual meetings done. I don't think they're going to actually put these guys in too many positions unless they have to where they're around each other. You know, that's, that's probably the best way around that situation that, that you brought up. And, and, and it's not just that. What if uh, your, your DB room gives it to each other? You know, how are you going to go out and play a football game with no cornerbacks? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just – and the quarterback is obviously the biggest one. But – so I think you're going to see them be very careful, every team, about how they get together as a group in terms of an offensive meeting, a defensive meeting, an entire team meeting. There may be no such thing as an entire team meeting unless they've got some massive hotel ballroom where they can – you know, the kind of ballroom that would comfortably fit 750 people and they kind of space out their 20 coaches and, and 80 or But they, they've just got to be really smart about it. So I would believe that there's going to be a lot of these meetings done virtually. I, to me, that's the, everyone's going to be looking for the safest plan for their quarterback, but all of their key players. And, you, like, you can't have Corona – run through a position room. Yeah, very, very true. Well, let me ask it from, from your perspective dur during this pandemic, as, as a media member trying to cover a team, how has this been, you know, in the off season, trying to have access and, and talk to, you know, coaches and, and do what you do and have to report on a team? And, and how, what kind of vibe are you getting about training camp and how you're going to be able to cover this team here in, in the next, you know, five, six weeks? I've heard things about just pool reporters and, you know, a, a lot of different things that the Bears are going to try to keep the media safe and keep them separated from each other and from the team. Well, as far as the offseason goes, most of your offseason work is done remotely anyway. So when you, if you're going to talk about, like, post-combine, because that's basically the last thing that we had. I mean, I went to a pro day, one pro day at Northwestern after uh, the combine, but since then – yeah, if I missed a couple things, yeah, you know, a, a pre-draft press conference at Hallis Hall where Ryan Pace does his very best to say absolutely nothing in about 25 or 30 <laughs> Big deal. Um, you, you miss uh, being at the facility for the draft, not the end of the world. Yeah, you miss some OTA availabilities, three of them, the mini camp. You know, so you've missed an opportunity to talk to some guys face-to-face. -face. There's been some stuff over Zoom. That's difficult. It's all – everybody's on it. You know, it's, it's all one group thing. And that's part of what's going to make uh, the training camp and the season ahead uh, challenging. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult, you know. I, th I think to truly do this job uh, the right way and the way that uh, fans and readers want it done to, to get their material, you need to have opportunities for the one-on-one for the -on -one. Uh, stuff so th that's going to be a huge challenge, one that we're all going to have to uh, deal with and navigate. All right, well let's let's jump to to on the field here because obviously the the pandemic is is story one, but from Bears and Bears fans' perspective, story two is is the quarterback position. Obviously, they bring in Nick Foles, give him a very interesting contract. 
To me, I've always thought that, that Nick Foles was not brought in as a safety measure for Mitch Trubisky. But some of these other moves, like bringing in Robert Quinn and some of the stuff they did, Trevath and the stuff with the, the salary cap, it really feels to me like the Bears are really going in on this season. And they want to see a, a step forward again and get closer to 2018 than 2019. And to me, that screams Nick Foles, having a, a quarterback you know, who knows, who's going to know the system and pick it up and, and most likely run it better than Trubisky has the last couple of seasons. Where do you see this this open competition at quarterback, and do you think it's truly open? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's open. Sure, it, yeah, it's open, and it's going to start that way. Their plans obviously have sort of blown up on them, right? I mean, they, Foles, to my knowledge, hasn't set foot in the building yet. There's now going to be what? No preseason. I mean, it sounds like it's certainly headed that way. It might not be official. They might not be in fully padded practices until the second half of August. So, and to really simulate football and practice, they need to have pads on, right? So their open competition has been reduced to probably a small handful of practices with pads on. And uh, yeah, that's uh, hardly ideal, but the Bears are certainly accustomed to things not being ideal uh, at the quarterback position. I would tend to agree with you that... um, Foles has got to be the guy they're probably looking at. You, you don't go out and make a trade for Foles and, and then commit that type of money to him with the idea that, hey, we're, we're in good position now if, if, if Mitch doesn't take the step that, that, that was needed. They went out and paid Chase Daniel an exorbitant amount of money to be the number two to put them in a good position to develop Mitch along because of his experience in the offense and stuff. Well, what'd you get on from that investment? Did he, did he help 10 out? I don't, I don't know. So I just, I tend to think that because Trubisky played to a level that led them to make a serious move at this position in the off seat, in the off season, to me, Foles should be the favorite because of that, because the, the level of faith in Trubisky was such that they had to go out and make this move. And then you add to that the fact that all of these offensive coaches have a history and a track record with Foles. They have a comfort level with them. And I think that comfort level is what was eroded with Trubisky a, a year ago. Now, I mean, Mitch has – a few things he obviously needs to work on. Most of them are in kind of in, in processing the, the game itself. What would you say after watching Trubisky over the last three years, but more specifically last year where he is now, what is the thing that he needed to pick up the most in this offseason to, to take a significant step this year? I, to me, I think it's processing the information you've got in front of you just before the snap. And then right after you've snapped the ball, reading the field, understanding his keys, where does this play take me? What am I supposed to do here? What's the decision process? And I think that's all sort of been fuzzy form at times. Not all the time, okay, but at times, and, and certainly against good defenses, you know, it's, it's just it's not right there for him. That's been a problem. It, it's not like the offense was great in – 2018 either in terms of production and moving the ball and, and scoring points. And if you, and if you look at that 18 season from the offensive, from the offensive side of things, especially in the second half of that season, 
when teams had kind of seen how Nagy wanted to do things and, and operate, it it wasn't great. And that, but you were still expecting that jump yep. last year. And instead of getting the jump, you know, it, it went the, the wrong direction. Can Mitch make legitimate gains in that way by watching a boatload of video in the offseason and doing whatever else and occasionally getting together uh, at a local high school and throwing with his teammates? I, naturally a little skeptical uh, about that and certainly won't have the preseason to sort of prove uh, some of that stuff either. Even if there had been a four-game preseason, you're talking about a really small sample size when you divide between the two quarterbacks for Matt Nagy and his staff uh, to evaluate. So we'll have to see where it goes. Uh, can, can Mitch climb out of this hole? I, I, it's possible. Is he ever going to be the guy that they needed him to be, that they envisioned him being with that investment they made in him? I think that ship's probably sailed. You don't see guys typically at this point in their career at that position dramatically change the their career arc, right? Yeah, and and that's and, and I think you hit the nail right on the head because the one thing to me that really stands out about Trubisky's play is that there is one team that he regularly has success against, and that's the Detroit Lions. And the one thing Matt Patricia does is. What you see on defense is usually what you get. Patricia doesn't deal with a lot of disguises and hiding coverages and things like that. And to me, it's, it's no surprise that that's the particular defense that, that he has far more success on against other te- than versus other teams. Yeah. So it, it's, they've, they've done real well traditionally against, uh, you know, the Vikings, which is a pretty good defense uh, as well. It, he can play well at times. There's no question about it. But the consistency hasn't been there. The idea that he's going to operate at a, at a high level on a regular basis, he's started, what, more than 40 career games. He's, he's not there yet, and you just – I don't see the, the flashes. You know, some of, these, some of these young guys that have come into the league and have become really good quarterbacks, you're, you're seeing glimpses of it pretty regularly, almost right away, almost right away. And – I just – I don't know that we've seen enough of that from Mitch, and I, and I hate to pile on him, and there was certainly more issues than, than just him a year ago, but but that's where it starts. And until you have that position right, good luck being a, uh, a year-in and year-out contender uh, in the postseason, even with an expanded uh, playoff format. Yeah, and you, you said you hate to pile on him, and I think that's what's been frustrating is – Trubisky is that guy you'd love to see lead the team for 15 years. He's a great guy, great teammate. It's just doesn't seem like it's coming together. But let, let's move on to some other things on the offense. Let's start with Allen Robinson, contract extension. Do you think this is something that's going to get done before week one? With the COVID-19, with what that's going to do for the economics of the, the sport right now, and then moving into when you think ahead to 2021, 2022, I, I don't know. If no coronavirus or coronavirus sidelines the offseason, but things clear up before training camp, yeah, I'd think that a deal would be done. I, that's a really difficult thing for me to handicap at this point because the deal's got to be right for both sides. And, and people have wondered why it, why it wasn't done uh, earlier, previously. It's, it's got to be, be right for the team, and it's got to be right uh, for the player. It can't be right for just one side. Allen certainly has played well enough to deserve it. They've got to come together and make a decision on, you know, where that money is. You've seen 
finally, the uh, wide receiver market's taken off a little bit in the last, um, you know, what are we talking, 12, 14 months. So where do the Bears slot him in that market? Where does Allen put himself? Can you find some middle ground? And then are you concerned about what happens with the, the cap for 2021, 2022? How is the huge revenue hit that the NFL is going to take this year going to be handled by the league and the players association? You know, what are they going to do to uh, account for that missing income, which trickles down to the players? So I think it's impossible to say right now. Certainly they'd love to have them. Absent a deal for him, obviously the franchise tag could be in play. I, I don't think it's a situation where the Bears would allow Allen Robinson to walk away, uh, which is, in my opinion anyway, is an error that was made in Jacksonville. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously another key part of the offense is, is going to be the running game and, and the improvement there. David Montgomery, you know, he showed some flashes last year and definitely, you know, needs to be a little more decisive with the football. But Juan Castillo really doesn't seem like he's just the offensive line coach. He's going to have a big say in developing a new new run scheme. Well, what do you see happening with the Bears running game this year? It can only get better, right? I mean, <laughs> it can't get True. worse than it was a year ago. It was uh, – you know, it was poor production, and then it was often just a secondary thought for them. At times, they weren't interested in running the football. And, Nag, listen, Nagy's a former quarterback, okay? He wants to throw the football. I, I get that. You need to be able to pick up two on the ground when you want to run. You know, when, when, when it's third and one and you want to run it and they know you're going to run it, you got to get a yard and a half. And – they have really struggled the last two years to, to efficiently uh, run the football. They've got to be better uh, coaching it, blocking it, and running it. And, and I agree with you. Montgomery showed some flashes last year. I think he can be uh, a very solid back for him. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite back in the NFL because he doesn't have that top gear, right, to, to really run away from guys. But – he can certainly be more productive and more involved in the passing game. He can certainly be more effective in the running game if they scheme it up better and block it better. So, again, he's definitely a back that work and work well in Chicago uh, if they can get a little bit better around him. And as you said, get a little bit more decisive. I, I think he, he showed that he was making some real strides in that area uh, as the season went on because it's a different animal than trying to run the football uh, in the in the Big 12, where defense is optional, because uh, he played at Iowa State, so you know we'll see uh, where it is. But you know, got to be more committed to it, and they've got to block it up better. Uh, absolutely. Let's let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Robert Quinn, that was obviously a, a big focal point for the for, for the off season, and trying to really up that pass rush. Hopefully, Akeem Hicks stays healthy this year. Look, the Bears' defense was good last year, but it didn't have that dynamic swagger that it had in 2018. Do you think Quinn give, and a healthy Hicks gives this pass rush enough oomph that we're going to see more 2018 defense versus 2019? Yeah, well, you certainly hope so. And, boy, they made a huge investment in Robert Quinn. You're talking about a player going into, I believe, year 10. You know, guaranteed him, what, $30 million, I want to say was the guarantee to, to Robert coming off a very productive season in Dallas last year where he wasn't playing for nearly 
uh, as much money. And the disappointing thing to me is you've got a Leonard Floyd who doesn't develop as the edge rusher you would hope for. So you have to go out and get a Khalil Mack and pay him uh, a boatload of money, mortgage, future draft picks. Uh, and then you've got Floyd and you say, okay, well, he's going to be this complimentary guy, which, which is fine. You know, not everybody hits that you take in the top 10. And there's certainly some things that Leonard did well. He, in two seasons, he really struggled to be that complimentary, you know, second edge rusher. So when he couldn't fill that deal, you had to say, well, you know, we've had second thoughts about that fifth-year option. Best of luck to you. And then you got to go out and pay another guy in, um, you know, in, in Quinn and pay him huge money. So hopefully Quinn works out. Obviously, it's a five-year deal. To me, you're looking at that as like a, a two-year deal if you're the club. If he's amazing, maybe he makes it to year three. But, yeah, certainly they are hoping to – pressure the quarterback a lot more to get back toward that elite level of defense, which they they were very good on defense last year. I don't know that I would have called them uh, elite 2018. Certainly they were elite. You get back to that elite level of defense. You make those improvements on the offense, maybe then, and, and I'm not trying to switch subjects on you, but if you're playing that level of defense, then is Nagy a little more interested in running the football kind of making in-game decisions to the strength of your club, right? You you know, play to your strength, which is the defense, which is maybe your special teams, you know, and and try to hold on to the ball a little bit more. Obviously, I understand you've got to score, and I'm not saying Nagy should go conservative, but, boy, if if they can get back to that level of defense, man, you would think that, they, they would at least consider some philosophical changes for the time being on offense. All right, well, wrapping up here with Brad Biggs, wanted to get this one on the table as well here because, look, I mean, I think a lot of people who watch the Bears every day, the team felt a lot worse than 8-8, eight and eight, but they did manage to pull off an 8-8 eight and eight season coming off a 12-4 and four season, so they're 20-12 and 12 here over the last, last two seasons. If the bot, you know, if, if obviously if the Bears perform well and make the playoffs or whatever, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy aren't going anywhere. If they struggle this season, if they if they're looking at a five win or a six win season or, or even worse, I know Hallis Hall thinks highly of Ryan Pace, and I know Ryan Pace thinks highly of Matt Nagy. But could those two end up on the hot seat? The wild card in that is we got a pandemic, you know, and and I mean, do they go? five or six wins as, as, as you throw out as a, you know, just a hypothetical here uh, with a mostly healthy roster the whole year, or does five frontline players miss a month each? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I, George McCaskey's he'll tell you naturally he's not a patient person. He has, kind of forced himself to, to show patience with Ryan Pace. And obviously that's how he gets through the, the John Fox era and gets to start this new thing, partnership with Matt Nagy. And they started with a bang. They absolutely started with a bang. I, I think it's going to depend on, you know, how things go. And then are they, are they tied at the hip uh, at the end of a uh, disappointing season or is George and, 
the other people involved in the decision, Ted Phillips, are they able to uh, differentiate between the two uh, in some ways? I, I don't know. I know the fan base would be extremely disappointed with a, uh, a subpar season, uh, but we've, we've got to see, you know, what the, what the bumps in the road are in terms of what it's going to be. I mean, no one knows what this season is going to be like. That, that's the crazy thing. And, and I'm glad you made the point that I think the perception publicly to the 8-8 eight eight season was that it was much worse than that. Because, boy, I, I know people, I, folks I've talked to since the beginning of December when it was clear that that season was really headed nowhere was, I, I mean, the, the vibe you got, if you just didn't mention the record to people, the vibe was like 5-11. and 11. You know, just, sure. just you know meltdown, and and they didn't have that. That that's not to say that eight and eight um, is an accomplishment or or something that they should uh, consider a, a, a standard that they crossed. You know, no, that's below the bar, and and that's not uh, acceptable. But it wasn't as dramatically screwed up as um, the temperature was for the fan base. Because they and that was a product of a, a couple different things. One, a huge twelve and four season, you know, with a roster with some really super talented young players. Then you've got all that hoopla, Bears one hundred, and yeah, you know, just it was just a nuts off season. You know, I I know Eddie Jackson said something around that Bears one hundred thing where, you know, they wanted to, they wanted to. Be on the, as being better than the 85 Bears. Well, to start that, to even begin that conversation, you, you need two rings, not one, right? <laughs> and so, I, you know, you just had these massive expectations, these huge massive expectations. And um, the, the bubble burst pretty early. You know, that Thursday night kickoff game against Green Bay where the offense was just awful. And, and I know the defense played really well in holding Green Bay to 10, but – Man, that offensive effort was putrid. And uh, unfortunately, that was the story of the season. Yeah, it really deflated everything. All right, two lightning quick ones. Have you heard any rumblings of any players on the Bears maybe opting out this season? I have not, no. All right, and if, if the Bears are relatively healthy and the pandemic stays at bay in Chicago and, and they don't really have any issues, so for the most part, it's the, it's the Chicago Bears, 2020 Chicago Bears, what kind of record do you expect them to have? Boy, uh, you know, the first half of the schedule looks pretty favorable. Um, I just, I've got questions about the quarterback situation. I've got questions about an offensive line that is going to have to pick up some new schemes from uh, a new offensive line coach with, as we mentioned earlier, Bill, how many padded practices before they get the thing going, you know? No preseason, nine wins? Fair. Sorry, like fair. That. Something like that. I'm, you know, hey, could it be more than that? Absolutely. Nine's probably uh, where I'm at right now. All right. Well, there he is, Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune, one of the top dogs on this beat for a very long time. Brad, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. Appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. There he is, Brad Biggs, Chicago Tribune. If you're a Bears fan, you know Brad Biggs. He's uh, He's been covering this team for a long time. He knows that Hallis Hall inside and out. A lot of, a lot of good information there. And and I think he brings up a good point about Allen Robinson. We heard a lot about extending Allen Robinson this offseason. And, and, and what happens here? We're dealing with the pandemic. We're dealing with a lot of question marks. We're dealing with, is there even going to be a 2020 season? 
all these questions that are still unanswered here in, in late July, how much did that impact Allen Robinson not getting a deal? And now we have seen the Chicago Bears have extended a lot of guys in late August. We saw it with Cody Whitehair. We saw it with Eddie Goldman. So this, this is something that they definitely do. They get contracts done just prior to the season. Will that happen with Allen Robinson? That's the question. Will Robinson be the guy that gets that contract extension? The Bears would be smart to do it. Not the uh, pandemic's certainly not going to change Allen Robinson's production as long as he's on the field. And the Bears, look, Riley Ridley, big question mark. You know, Daryl Mooney, Ted Ginn, you know, those guys aren't going to be looked at as becoming superstars or, or gain over 1,000 yards. Anthony Miller, he's a wild card. But the Chicago Bears right now, other than Allen Robinson, they don't have a top-end talent here. Unless Anthony Miller explodes this year and becomes a just a monster receiver, the Bears need Allen Robinson. And Allen Robinson knows that, and he's going to get dollars because of that. But the Bears know they need him too. So I think Robinson does get extended, but I think Biggs is right. Maybe that doesn't happen until the next offseason. Bears use the franchise tag as a, as a safety and, and to work on getting a long-term deal done at that point where they have more answers about you know having the pandemic in the rearview mirror and knowing exactly what's going to be happening with the salary cap because, look, the salary cap's tied directly to revenues. I'm sure, sure most of you know that. So if there's no fans in the stands or very limited fans in the stands for this entire offseason, those revenue streams are going to plummet, which means the salary cap, if they don't do anything about it, is going to plummet next season. Salary cap's going to go from whatever it is, $175 million, whatever it is right now, down to like $140, $130 million. It could be that big of a drop. And if they don't do anything about it, that's going to be a major problem. Players are going to be cutting left and right. So the NFLPA knows that. The owners know that. No, no, Nobody wants the salary cap to plummet like that. It's bad for business. So be interesting to see what happens there with Allen Robinson. But look, you know, we said it before the interview, and, and you heard a lot with, with Biggs there. The Bears need to see significant improvement this year. And how much we get, it's, look, I think it starts with this defense. This offense suddenly isn't going to be a top five offense under Nick Foles unless Mitch Trubisky, the light switch, flips on and he, you know, turns into Deshaun Watson. If that doesn't happen, and, and the percentage of that is not even 1% chance, it's that low. If that doesn't happen, then the Bears' offense at best is average. And if the Bears' offense is average, if they're going to have a good season, that means that defense needs to be closer to that 2018 defense. And for me, I've said it in the offseason, it starts with the pass rush. The Bears had a nice bend-don't-brank defense last year. It didn't cause a lot of turnovers. It didn't get to the quarterback. But it didn't give up a lot of points. And that's fine. If you have a good offense, that's all you need out of your defense. But when the defense is what drives the bus, you need turnovers. You need sacks. You need third and longs, fourth and longs. You need to pin the offense deep and not allow a first down so your offense can start at midfield. That's the type of stuff that a defense needs to do on a defense-oriented football team. And the defense did not do that last year. They didn't give up points. But when the Bears offense can't score points and you can't expect that Bears offense last year to drive 75 yards and get a touchdown or even drive 50 yards and get a field goal regularly, that was just too much of a challenge for that offense. You need the defense to step up even more. That's what they did in 2018, and that held a lot of warts because when the Bears got the ball at midfield or a turnover and got the ball on the 30, and next thing you know, they, got the turn, they, they start on midfield, get a field goal, Bears do a turnover, 
and they only got to drive 25 yards for a touchdown. And next thing you know, it's 10 nothing Chicago. Looks like the offense is moving the football and scoring points, but they're really not. It's the defense setting them up to succeed. So that pass rush is going to have to step up. We're going to have to see Hicks. We're going to have to see Quinn. And we're going to have to see Mack getting after the quarterback. And if they get after the quarterback, then the quarterback's going to be rushing the football. And that, that secondary is going to start turning the ball over. And the Bears are going to be a lot better. That pass rush is the key to this entire Chicago Bears season. So that's going to do it for Bears banter. We will be back again soon as training camp develops here. And we're going to see what happens here. A lot of questions, a lot of questions to be answered in a training camp that's going to be very bizarre for coaches, for training camp battles. A lot of this stuff that we traditionally try and see, you know, shake out here in the month of uh, late July and the month of August, really going to be difficult this year to do. So we will talk to you again soon. Bear down, everybody. Adios. Yeah.